One of many things. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu, Melech Olam, Shehakol Nehiye Bidvaro. Amen. Continuing on with Siyata Deshma Yeshmuel Aleph, Perak Beis, we're holding Abay Posik Tess. Or Shmuel Anavi writes as follows, we're in the midst of Tefillah Schano, that unmatched, unparalleled, ever eloquent Tefillah that Chan orders after her, a long-awaited and anticipated Yeshua, uh, finally giving birth to Shmuel, so she commences with unbelievable praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and showing how he is the Mashkiach Alakol, the Yevishter controls everything, and in drawing the contrast of Chana and her co-wife Panina, Khan is now having children, while simultaneously Panina loses hers. And thus we have that seesaw effect, we have Hashem Amos Mechayeh, he could take the people on high and bring them down. The people on low, those impoverished, lowly and humble, and you can make them affluent. You can bring them to the top of the ladder. Pasuk has continued. can take you out of the dumps, out of the trash. Heaps, and he can uplift and elevate you, place you alongside, seat you with the Nadivim, those noble aristocratic ones, and give you not just a an uplifting, but a kisei covered. He can endow you with a seat of honor. Why? Because Hashem has all the pillars of the earth. Hashem controls anything and everything. table and the set and rest the entire world upon those pillars. Hashem controls it all. All Hashem has to do is shift those pillars ever so slightly, and it can change one's entire destiny, one's entire fate. Continuing that train of thought, she continues in the ensuing psukim and so we'll uh, get to a specific prayer about Shmuel himself. That's going to take place in Posegud. But as we start Posig Tesh, Shmuel Anavi continues as follows. And the tefillah of his mother, Ragli Chasid of Yishmar Hashem, uh, guards and protects the feet, the legs of his Chasidim, his righteous ones, his pious and devout ones. He guards their Aglaim. Focusing, of course, on the Raglaim. Why we just mentioned in the preceding Pasuk, Kilashem and Suke Oretz, highlighting the pillars of the earth. Dainu, the whole world rests on Amudim, rests on pillars. Uh, we have at the outset of Perkeava, Shimonatzadik, Ayyashari, Kinesagadola, Hashloshadvarim, Haolam, Omeid. The world rests on the three legged tripod consisting of Torah, Avoda, Gemilas Hasadim. The world rests on the power of the Yavas HaKadoshim, Avramavino, Kenegad, the pillar of Chesed, Yitzchak. Connected the pillar of Avoda and Yaakov Kinegar corresponding to the pillar of Torah as outlined by the Zorah Chodesh and Chukas Paydal and Amanalf and of course the Maral and his Derachayim and Abbas Parakal and Mishnah Gimel the Rachayim Tamar the Gro and others. So we have the world resting on three pillars. We have Hashem controlling those pillars, sets the world on those pillars. All he has to do is shift those pillars and those Chasidim, those devout ones, the ones that go the Finimish in, Hashem guards them, Hashem protects them. But he guards what? The Raglayim. Why? Because what? gives you support? What sustains you? What gives you the ability to stand up on your glide? So the same way the world rests on the pillars, those figurative pillars are upholding the entire world. What keeps the chassid up and well? His raglaim, the koch raglaim, the ability to stand. That's why the first battle of Yaakov and Esau was a battle of what? Let's go to the outside of Parshas Toldos. Two aspects. What do we find? That Yaakov is grabbing onto the Akev, is grabbing onto the leg. Kishazek comes and Ophel Rashi says, based on Chazal, on the posting in the beginning of Toldos, they'll have a seesaw relationship. When Yaakov is up, Esav is down. When Esav is up, Yaakov is down. How does that play out, practically speaking? If I grab onto your ankle, I flip you. I say, Yaakov is on top. Who's holding? Holding on to whose ankle? The whole original battle was a battle of Yaakov. He is even called Yaakov. Why? Because I got your ankle. If I have your ankle, I could trip you up at will. I can take you away from the ability to stand. That's the idea of Yaakov. What's the first metaphor we see regarding Yaakov and his brother Ace of the twins in the womb of their mother? What does Rashi say? They're running places. Every time Rivka is walking by in proximity to a base, Knesset says, base runners, 
Yaakov is Mafarke Slasit, he's running, itching to get out. Every time she walks alongside a base of Odazara, a place of idolatry, of idol worship, Esav is running to get out. Uh, what do you see is the language of the Torah Kadosha? Where are they running? Where you run with your feet shows where your rotsen is. You ever wonder why we call running Ritza rots? Right? So Voba Nali Shor Khalek Shani. Because through your Ritza, that's the giloy of your rotson. Uh, do you want ice cream? You run to the ice cream truck. You run to the yogurt store. Ice cream store. Aye, your rotson is here. Sheer. You run to the she. You run to the base process. Where you run, a lot of people walk. Oh, you're not in a rush. The Gemara says, the Brooks Dab Zainer Base. The Yolam Yoritz, you should run to Shul. Sharanta base Knesset. Even if a person drives to Shul, the Bali must say the last few feet by Dalarama, seven, eight feet before the door. You should put a little hop, skip, and a jump into your step. Uh, you should run. The Yolam Yoritz, you're even allowed to run on Shabbos. You're never allowed to run on Shabbos. Psiya Gasa, we say Posimbo, Psiya Katana. And mentioning, but what? The post came very clear. Even on Shabbos, you're allowed to run to the Shul. Wherever you run, that's the Giloy, that discloses to one. And all, where is your true hidden inner panemiastic rotson? You are rots in the direction of your rotson, hence it's called rotson. You run in the direction of what you really want in life, the raglaim reveal who you really are. So, what's the first metaphor we see attached to Yaakov versus Esau? Where is Yaakov running and where is Esau running? Where are you running with the feet? If you think about it, the whole battle of Yaakov versus Esau is a battle of the feet. Kishazet comes and no. When one is up, and one is down. If you're in a seesaw, how do you get to the top? You got to use your feet to push down against the ground and uplift you. Everything else in the body is sitting comfortably on the seat of the seesaw. How do you propel yourself upwards using the feet? That is the relationship. They can never be up at the same time. They can never be down at the same time. Keshazek comes and no fail. So let's go to Haman, the most nefarious and certainly the most notorious of all the science of a sub. What did Haman want? What stands alone, a unique about Haman and contrast to all of the figures in Tanakh? What was his one hot poda? Covered, but displayed in one manner. How bowing, we have nobody in Tanakh who insisted that everybody bows down to him like Haman. Now, what is bowing? What is bowing all about? When you bow down to someone, what in essence are you doing? You're stripping yourself of your koach amida braglayim. You're falling flat, getting off of your feet that give you the ability to stand. And when you bow down to someone else, what part of their body are you bowing down to? You're bowing down to their feet. The whole thing that Haman wanted was, I got your feet, Mordechai. The Arizal tells us, what was Mordechai versus Haman? Mordechai, a Gilgal of Yaakov Avinu. Haman, a Gilgal of Esau. And when Yaakov meets up with Esau at the beginning of Parshish, by Yishlach. How, what do we find? He bows. He gets punished because he bows, even though the menorah fills in the blanks. He wasn't bowing in front of Esau, really. He was bowing in front of the Shechina, so that he wouldn't be bowing. But his children didn't see the Shechina. They thought he was bowing to Esau, right? The reason he needed a tikkun. Mordechai was the one Jehu. Lo yichra, lo refused to bow down. He's not going to go and bow down. Not only that, but the Targum Shani says, when Mordechai and Haman were on a trip years previous for the king, and Haman ran out of all food and drink, who saved his life? Mordechai. And he wrote a star, henceforth you're going to be my Evan. Where did he write the star? On the bottom of the shoe. Who writes a star on the bottom of the shoe? Write it on your hand. Write it on the palm. No, on the bottom of the shoe. Why? Haman, I got you. You're below me. And my feet are standing on top of you. Haman says, no, I want everybody to bow down. I want everyone to give me. I want you to bow down to Maraglayim. That was the whole battle of Yaakov and Esau. Who's going to stay standing when Haman comes in the middle of Nanai Palaylahu and Perakei, Perakdalet of Megillah Sester, and Achashverosh can fall asleep and he says, Oh, Haman, how do I reward the person? What's the first idea that enters Haman's mind? I've got a lot of ideas, right? What honor is? We can all imagine what honor is. I'd say you could come up with all the wealth and all the riches. What's the first thing that enters someone's mind? I want to have the clothing of the king. I want to sit atop the king's horse. I don't want to use Maraglayim at all. I want my feet to sit ever comfortably atop the king's mighty horse, and I will have the king's horse. That horse's legs will be the extension of my own. My legs will rest ever so comfortably atop the horse. And uh, it doesn't end there. What's the end of the wish? 
Mordechai is going to use his raglayim to walk me all around town. The whole Indian was a battle of the raglayim. My raglayim will rest comfortably on the horse, and Mordechai will lead me on his raglayim on foot all throughout town. When it's time to do away with the Mordechai, what's the first idea that comes to Zeresh Ishto? To his nefarious wife's mind, what's the first idea? Hanging. What is death by hanging? Death by hanging is you stand on a podium on a platform and you put the noose around the victim's neck and then you take away what? You strip that person of his or her koach amida raglayim. You go ahead and press the release switch and the person can no longer stand. The whole battle is I'm going to get you from the raglayim. Aye, but what happens if an ahapuchu, the whole plan, the plot of Haman is turned upside down? It's Haman who uses his feet to walk Mordechai as Mordechai as his feet sit ever comfortably atop the king's horse. Haman uses his feet to walk him around town. What happens at the end of the story? Ibn Ezra makes it very clear. Haman pleading for his life. The Malakam pushes him down onto Esther and Haman Ibn Ezra says pleaded as he bowed down before Esther pleading for his life. Haman wants everyone to bow down before him. Haman is ultimately bowing down before Esther. Remember Esther and Yaman? Esther and Mordechai come from Shevan bin Yaman. Bin Yaman was the only one of the Shvatim that didn't bow down in front of Esau. That's one of the reasons the Beis HaMikdash is built in the Chelek of Bin Yaman because that's the one place we bow down to our Kodesh We can only bow down to Hashem and the one Shevetz Chelek Bin Yaman who is the lone exception, the one Shevetz son of Yaakov who never was there to bow down to Esau. That's how we bow down to our Kodesh Baruch It's going to be his descendants, Mordechai, Ishimini from Sheva bin Yamid, and Haman, the son of Amalek, will now bow down in front of Esther, bow down in front of Mordechai, Asher Gilo HaYehudim. That's Haman who gets hanged on the tree. He loses his Koch Amiragli. Oh, and by the way, Haman wanted to get us with what? What was his whole plan? To get us with the Goral. Take a look at Megillah Sester. How is Goral spelled? Gimel Reishlam and Nova. I what's the whole story of Purim and Hapachu? Let's do just that. Let's turn the Goral upside down. When you turn Goral, Gimel Reishlam and upside down. What is the yield? Regel. The whole story was, who's got the Koch Raglayim? Is it the Goral? Is it the Regel? Who's up and who's down? Who's going to be at the top of the seesaw? Because they use their Amida Raglayim to propel themselves upwards. And the other one, the one who's at the bottom of the seesaw, you can't even hold your legs upright. If you're at the bottom of a seesaw, you know from the kids' playgrounds, you're at the bottom of a seesaw, your legs are crouched. And your legs are all crunched together. You don't have any koach in the raglayim. It's the one on top. Now the legs are fully uh, outstretched. And now you propel yourself to the top. That's the battle of the raglayim. That's the koach amida raglayim. Who is the first creature that brought Sheker into the world? The nachash. The nachash originally had... Raglayim, and the Nochash originally was able to speak, and the Nochash originally stood up. What was the Nochash's punishment by bringing Sheker into the world? It lost its Raglayim. Explains of Yitzhak Isaacover. Because Sheker ain't the Raglayim. MS has Raglayim. We know the Gemara says in Shamus Kavdalat, I'm an alpha man of Shostis Rikiva. Sheker is what? Shin Kufresh. Shin Kufresh. No solid base, no two Raglayim. It's ever flimsy, the Shin. It's just on one regel. The Kuf, one regel. And the Rish likewise, one regel. Sheker ain't the Raglayim. MS has Raglayim. That's why MS Aleph, two strong, sturdy Raglayim. The Mem is solid base, and the top, two sturdy raglayim yet again. That's where the morale adds. How do you spell MS? If you want to make something solid, what do you do? You want to make sure it's got good bookends and it's got to be nice and strong in the middle. What's MS? Aleph, the first letter of the Aleph base, the mem, smack in the middle of the Aleph base, and the top of the end of the Aleph base. That's sturdy. That's on solid ground. What's Sheker? If you're on a boat and everyone's standing on one side, I then we're in trouble. There was a caricature that just came out recently. It showed Noah's Ark and all the heavy elephants all decided to go to one side and the boat was about to tip. Everyone goes to what? Sheker? All at one end, at the very end of the Aleph base. And what MS is in sequence? Aleph Memta. Sheker, it should be Keresh, Kufreshin. It's Sheker. It's not an order. It never makes any sense. That's why it's Shin Kufresh, intermingle letters at the very end of the Aleph base. We don't add a top because the top stands for Torah and Sheker has no connection to the Torah. So they stand all the new kudos, all the tenuous, all the vowelizations, by the way, appear in the first first Chumash, except for a Shuruk. What's a Shuruk? Shin, Reish, Kuf, Osio, Sheker. Explains the Maral, there's no Sheker, there's no Shuruk. You have a Patach, a Kamitz, a Segel, a Tzemri, a Cholim, a Cholim, all the vowelizations appear, except for a Shuruk, because the Torah is the beginning of the Emes, Barish, Baralokim, Sofei, Tevos, Emes, and there is no Sheker, there's no Shuruk.
in the beginning of the Torah, and that is Sheker in the Raglaim, the Nochash HaKamoni, the first snake, brings Sheker, falls it and lies into the world. Sheker in the Raglaim, Mida Kenegan Mida, measure for measure, the Nochash gets punished and he loses his Raglaim, his ability to stand up. So Hasidim are highlighted in contrast to the Nochash. The Hasidim are what? They know how to stand up on their feet. Ragle Hasidim Yishwan Hashem will always guard the Raglaim, that the Goyim will not be able to bring you down. Hence, it's a raglayim, the feet, the choice metaphor of the righteous ones. If you look, we have a ksiv and a kri, raglay chasi dov. We have the ksiv without a yud, and we have the kri with a yud. So it's a loshen yochid, loshen rabbim. Rashi takes us to yumalam chesim and beis. And the Gemara there relates that not only does Hashem guard his chasidim and his tzaddikim, but the Gemara says in the name of Yechanan, one Sadik could keep the entire world going. How do we know that? What does the Pasuk say? Mishnah Yud? That Sadik Yesod Olam. One Sadik could be the pillar, the foundation of the entire world. Rav Chia says, no. I'll tell you which Pasuk. This Pasuk in Shmuel Aleph, Perak Beis, Pasuk Tes, Ragle Chasidav Yishmar. Ay, it says Chasidav is how we read it with the Dalad Yud Vav. That's the plural conjugation. Chasidim Shalom. But Amram Nechma, no, but the Ksiv is Chasidav. Chosid Shalom to tell you what Hashem will guard if there are many Chasidim in the world but if there's just one Tzaddik one Chosid to uphold the whole world Hashem will guard his Raglaim as well and we know you can have the whole world and you can have one person on the other side of the world who demonstrates that who began Klai Yisrael Avram Avino what does he call Avram Ivri in this past week's Parshas Lech Lecha Perk Yedal and Pasuk he is what Avram Ivri what's Ivri Rabbi says in the Medrash the whole world is on one side of the river he's on the other side of the river he's all alone by himself, Nimrod, what's bothering you? It's just one guy, one Jew, and you got to throw him into the kitchen, eh? Explain our Moshe Shapiro, because you know what bothered Nimrod? Hashem promised he's not going to destroy the world. So if we get everybody in the world to team up against God, that's the symbolism of the Tower of Bavel. We don't need to physically engage the Almighty in battle. It's not a question of, oh, let's build an ear and let's build a Migdal. What's everyone always says the Tower of Bavel? It's not just a tower. From an imperialistic standpoint, it was also horizontal imperialism. Let's have an ear and Migdal. Let's build an ear and a Migdal. Let's rebel against God. We own the world. Aye, how are you going to defeat God? Explain to Moshe Shapiro. Because remember, God promised promise, Noach, I'm never going to destroy the world again. So if we get everyone in the world to be bad, to live a Hefker lifestyle, then we can back God, so to speak, into a corner where if everybody's bad, he can't destroy us. So let's make one city. Let's make one tower. This will be the existence of the world. Their embodiment says one of the reasons they got punished was God created a world to settle and populate the whole world. Nimrod says, no, let's gather together. Let's make the world ours. So what so perturbed him about Avram Avinu? If there's one iconoclast to one guy in the other side of the river and he's doing Judaism and he's the moral ethical compass of the world then I'll never succeed because God could destroy Nimrod and everybody under his auspices and he'll create a new nation a new world from Avram, Vino and Sarah so I have to destroy this one lone exception called Avram I have to throw him into the fiery furnace he tried, of course he was unsuccessful that's why he gave Eliezer believe it or not, where did Eliezer come from? And Medrash says, as well, two different opinions, either he was the son of Nimrod or he was the servant of Nimrod and after Nimrod witnessed this miracle he gave his son or servant Eliezer to serve Avram Avinu but that was Avram Avinu, Avram Ivri he was all by himself, in fact Rabbi Polkovit said years ago we know that the Jews are compared to Koch Shemaim and Cholayat and the famous question is, why do we need both comparisons? Why both metaphors? So we know there's a huge difference between them. What's the mile of sand? Sand is the actus. Nobody praises, there's no chashivas to one single isolated grain of sand. The mile of sand is you go to the beach and it's all over the place. That's cholayam. Kais will be so numerous. There'll be like a beautiful beach. Sand is all together. Oh, and by the way, if you want to make sand really together, what do you have to add? If you want to make a strong cluster, you got to add mayim. Tiny stuff. Only when you add Torah into Kais, or the liken to the sand, then it makes it a strong solidified cluster you can build a nice palace by the shore but if you build a palace out of sand a sand castle uh, but you need the water to solidify it to make it rock solid uh, that's the water of the cluster that's in Mayim Torah no two stars are together they all shine they radiate independently that's Kolkhoi 
We have both metaphors. Everyone in Klaishu, we have two Mayos. We have the Mayos of Klaishu, B'yachad, hence Choleyo. We're all together like the beautiful sand and a beautiful beach. And then we have Koch Every single Yid in Klaishu shines, glows, and radiates as an independent. Everyone's Choshim in his own right. So I poke at another Nakuda. The Goyim, they like the beach, right? Goyim love going to the beach. And when you go to the beach, you walk on the sand. Ah, so they're feeling, ah, Yisrael, Klaishu is like Cholaya. We could stay on the Cholaya, and they think they could trample on us, and they could patch us, and they can massacre us. But you know what? What happens when you're lying on the beach, and one single grain of sand gets in your eye? It drives you crazy. It makes you nuts. That one little grain of sand makes you insane. Explain Rabbi Pogovitz. One Jew! It doesn't matter the Goyim. They could have the whole world. You could have 22 Arab, 70 Arab countries, 22 around Israel. You can't let Israel, you can't let the Jews have one tiny country the size of the state of New Jersey. We can't let them just, you know what? Even if there were, if there's just one Jew, that would bother them like crazy. There can't be any Jews around. That was certainly Yamashua was Zichron, the final solution. Why? Because if there's but one Jew around, he will forever remain the moral, ethical compass of the world, and we can't espouse a life of total abandonment, of total hafkeris, so they can't stand one grain of sand drives them insane. Now that's the attitude of the Goyim. That's why they just can't stand the Jews around. So God does what? He says, I watch my Hasidim. I watch their legs. I will always give them a kiyom. I will allow them to stand. And as Rashi takes us to Yuma Lamed Ches, even if it's one chassid, even if it's one Avram Avinu, one Avram Ivri, I'm going to protect him. I'm going to shield him. Enters the Machlaikas, the war, four kings against the five kings. And he emerges the victor. How does he defeat them, by the way? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> he takes, takes the magical sand and he throws the sand. says, you guys want sand in your eyes? I'll give you plenty of sand to worry about. And he takes the sand and throws it. And of course, the minister says it turned into arrows. And that is what gave him the koach. And that's what he defeated. There's another time, by the way, there's one other time in Chazal that we find sand turning into spears and arrows. Where's that? Anybody know? <clears throat> it's not in Tanakh, but it's in Chazal. And he will know the story of Nachamish Gamzu, Tainus Tavchafalaf Amanalaf. What happened to Nachamish Gamzu? There were harsh decrees issued against the Jewish people. They decided to appease, let's mollify the king. So they got together diamonds, jewels, gold, and silver. They put it in a big box. They gave it to Nachamish Gamzu, the tzaddik, and said, You go to the king and you plead on our behalf. Okay, so it was a journey to get to the king. He had to stop overnight at an inn. And the ruffians, they saw that here was this righteous tzaddik. He's not paying attention to the box. They waited until he fell asleep and they went and took the box <clears throat> they emptied out all the gold and all the diamonds and they filled it with sand and they filled it with sand so Nechum so he doesn't know he's got a heavy box before he's got a heavy box now and he takes the box with sand and he goes to greet the king the very next day and he hands <coughs> the king the box he opens it up and he sees it's sand and he says what you came to appease me it gave me a gift the Jews got together and all they did was bring me sand the Gemara says Elionavi appeared as the uh, with the facade of being one of the advisors of the king and he says you don't understand king this is magical sand that his ancestors Avram Avinu had how he defeated in the war of four kings against the five kings and I'll show it to you when Elio took out some of the sand said king threw it and it turned magically into spears and the king was able to vanquish all of his enemies because he had this magical sand see praise he comes back and he spent the same night at the inn and the people are like oh what are you doing alive what'd you do what'd you bring him he says I don't know I opened up the box and it was sand but it was miraculous something special about the sand so these advisors uh, they came the next day they took the same sand the king so rewarded him so they also filled it up with sand they came to the king the next day king takes out the sand throws it doesn't turn into anything but stays the same sand and he kills these guys who bothered Nechemish Gamzu the night before that's the power so the Melo we're not surprised when the Ramami Panarites in the Sefer Gagula and Shamas. who do you think Nechemish Gamzu was a Gilgalov and Nechemish Gamzu Gamzu Latova writes he was a Gilgal of Lot how was Lot saved Lot was saved with the magical sand. How was Nachemish Gamzu saved? With the magical sand. Lot settled who Yoshe Sodom. What was the wickedness that Sodom was known for? 
Hasidom did not take care of Aniyah. Many poor people that came to the city, they were not taken care of. On the contrary, if you came to Sodom, they had one size fits all, one bed. And if the bed didn't fit, they cut off your arms, they cut off your legs. What's the story in Achimishkamzu? He was a little late in tending to a poor person. And he was very harsh on himself, and he had his own hands and legs cut off, because this is Mamash the Gilgal of Lo. But that was Nachemish Gamzu. He said, Gamzu Latobi, he accepted all as Yasurin. But that was the ultimate Tikkun of Lo. Alot says, ah, I don't want to be by Avram. Look at all the Tsaras and Asyanus happening to Avram Avido. Alot couldn't deal with it. I don't want to be by Avram. I want to go to the city of Sodom. Who's the Tikkun? Gamzu Latova. Nachemish Gamzu. Everything is Latova, and that's the Tikkun of Alot. That's why he's called the Lot. Chazal say Lot is Loshan Layat. Layat in Aramaic means a Klola, to curse. He cursed everything. Nachemish Gamzu is Mavarech everything. Everything which you think is a curse, which appears bad, is Gamzu Latova. He could point right here and right now and say it's all good. That's Nachemish Gamzu, the Tikkun for Lot, the nephew of Abraham Avinu. So that's Ragle Chasid Yishmur Rishon Machosh Lechidamu. And Hashem does what? Places the wicked ones and the world of darkness. He silences them, stills them in darkness. What is the angel that's appointed over death? His name is Duma. Dumb writes until him. Descending into the grave, into the abyss, as the world of silence. He and they get thrown into the world of silence, the world of darkness, the world of the abyss, the world where you lose your Amida Braglai. When a person dies after 120, you're no longer standing. Now you're not vertical any longer. Now you're horizontal, and you're horizontal underneath the ground. The Hasidim stand on top of the ground, and the Rishom are now horizontal beneath the ground, in the world of darkness, the world of silence. Why? Man does not prevail through boot strength and prowess. It is all. Hashem writes him to this David. Ain't his When one overpowers the next, it's not because of the koach. It's what? It's always the Yad Hashem. And the Kishronos, the mind, the Pichos, the Seichel. But it's not the brute strength. It's all what yigbar ish. The way the person's going to be a gibor is using your mind. Ezo gibor avos pragdalim mishnalif hakovesh es yitzro. Using your mind to rule over the rest of your body. That's why a king is called a melech. Writes to Maral Melech Rashi Tevis an acronym Moach. Lave and Kloyas, Moach, Lave and Kaveh. You know who's a Melech, you know who's in control? When your brain, your Moach, your intellect controls the Lave, the seat of the emotions, which in turn controls your animalistic behavior, symbolized, of course, by the Kaveh, the liver, Kiadam, Huanefesh, the place of the Dam, the blood is in the liver, and the Kloyas in the kidneys. That is a Moach. Lev and Kaved, Moach, Lev and Klayas. And that's the Kishran. And that's the Yad Hashem. That's what enables one to prevail over the next. So that's Chana's Tfilah. And thus after Chana finishes... Uh, this segment of extolling the mighty virtues of our Hashem is ever-present. And the divine puppeteer controlling... All of history, as the Targum and the Midrasha make it very clear, as we mentioned last week, this is all inclusive of a myriad prophecies about the future and about the various Goliaths. And thus, the Vilna Gaon says, we have a remes to all the Goliaths. Ragle Chasid of Yishmar, he writes as a reference to Golas Bavel and gives a remes. Rishama Choshechimu, as Golas Madai the Gra writes, Kilo Bakwach Yibur Ish, as Golas Yavan, what do we say in Al Anisim? By Purim time, and then the next Pasuk begins, that's connected Golas Edo. And the Vilnagon says, she is alluding to all the Golios and that are going to take place. What happened to Golas Yishmoel? Where's Golas Yishmoel? We're in it now. We're in it now, and we are in it now. Golas Yishmoel, so the big question is, where's Golas Yishmoel? Anyone who learned Sefer Daniel, Perexayim? We have Ramazim to all the Dalit Goliaths. We always talk about four Goliaths. After Golos Mitzrayim, we had the base of Mekdosh. After we had Malchus for the base of Mekdosh, Dovid and Shlomo. We had Nebuchadnezzar, Melabavel. We had the Babylonian exile taking us out of Eretz Israel. And then, of course, we had Golos Poros Hamadai, the Purim story, finally making our way back when Ezra had the Aliyah Shniah. We go back to Eretz Israel. And then we had the Yavon. We had to deal with the Greeks in the Hanukkah story. And then finally, we defeated the Greeks and we have to deal with Golos Edom 
Yehudim Golis Romi, and that's the Golis we're in today, Golis Romi, I mentioned on Shabbos, article just came out this past week, a prominent member of Italy's parliament yes. finally admitted after a thousand plus years uh, that they have the holy sacred vessels of the temple, and it's there in the dungeons underneath, and he finally recognized it, even though numerous popes have denied it, and he said Israel is the moral compass of the world, I think it's time we start returning the sacred vessels that we have underneath in the cellars of the Vatican, and it's time to, Rabbi said, you don't think Mashiach is coming soon, and we gotta wake up and smell the coffee, because these things are things that haven't happened. Golis Yishwal, the question is, so where's Golis Yishwal? Prinkin Lozen makes a very clear Preglavit. The last Golis will be Yishwal. Excellent. Along comes the Maral, and Daf Yud Ches of a Sefer Ner Mitzvah, and Perch of Aleph, of Netzach The Maral says, where is Golis Yishmoel? Yishmoel is ultimately the last Golis. I am the Toysus Ritter of Yeshai Matrani, and the Ibn Ezra also mentions it, as does Rav Sajigon in Perak Zayin to say for Daniel, Perak Zayin Pasigadala, the Marshom of Abbasai in Gimlam and Beis, Rachaim Ital, the star disciple of the Ariya Kaddish, writes in his say for Eitz Adas and Tilim, Kapitol Kuchavdalid, the last Golas will be Golas Yishmael. Question is, where is it? Why isn't I mentioned? Explains them around two important answers. Number one, they're not a Malchus. Bovel was a Malchus. The Hainu Malucha was given to Kaiso. David Shlomo, David Melchiso Chayvakayim, we had majesty, we had sovereignty. Along comes Nebuchadnezzar, takes it away from us, because Yazek comes in hopefully, he's on top, where on bottom, takes the side of Eretz Yisrael. And then we have Parasamadai, what happened, Hachashverosh marries Vashti, from Nebuchadnezzar's family, and now takes away the Malchus from Bovel, and makes it Parasamadai, and he controlled the whole world, the 127 provinces. Then Mordechai comes, then we have Ezra, we go back up, we have a Mesemikdash, through Koresh, Dayavash, etc., we now have a Mesemikdash, and we have Malchus again, comes Yavon, and Yavon's trying to take it away from us, we we get it back. And then what? We have Marcus, Edom, and Romy. We have from Rome. We have the Roman uh, leaders, and they come. Alexander, uh, that was Greece, and then we have uh, Caesar, oh, the Roman generals, and they take away the Machas. Yishmol doesn't have a Machas. That's why the Arabs are always having so much fighting within them. You got these types of Arabs, these type of, types of Arabs, they're always fighting. You got the king of Jordan and Syria, they're all over the place, Saudi Arabia, and they fight with one another. There's no single unified Machas. Achashverosh ruled the world. Nebuchadnezzar ruled the world. Alexander the Great ruled the world over here. All sorts of, they don't have a sense of Malchus. They're not referred to as one of the Dalad Malchus. Answer number one. Answer number two. Writes the Maral, chapter 21 of Netzach Yisrael. Because when we have Paras, Yishmol is Paras all over again. It's not a distinct uh, one of the Goliaths. What was Paras? We had Paras Amadai. The story of Purim took place. Persia, Paras Amadai. You know what the Arabs, the Arabs might be fighting us in Yisrael. Where are they getting their money from? Where are they getting their sustenance? Where are they getting their koach from? From Ma- Modern day I, Persia is Iran. And this is all the morale. The Tonus is already in the 1600s. And at the last Gullus, Gullus, they're going to be sustained by Persia. It's not a new independent Gullus. They're deriving their Koach from modern day Persia, which is Iran. They're giving them the Koach. Iran, Gullus, Yishmol is the last Gullus. And the Zohar says in Shmol, Shizayin, and Manal, it's the harshest of them all. Harshest of them all. That's why we got to be very, very careful. The last war that's going to be Moshech is going to last how long? I don't want to scare anyone. The Vilna Gon wrote this. Remember, the Vilna Gon lived in the 18th century, 1720 to 1798. We have a Masora trace back of Nosemir had a Masora aid me, aid witness to witness, going back to the Srafmi Brisk, the Mario Rabbi Shulay Diskin, and Shulay Diskin from Brisk. Had a Kabbalah, Aidli Piyad, going back to Rabbi Wasserman, to the Chovetz Chaim, uh, to the Vilna Gon, that the Vilna Gon said already in the 1700s, the last war that's going to finally bring Moshiach will last all of 12 minutes. Uh, what's unique about 12 minutes? Well, I can tell you that I had an Israeli camper in Camp Simcha years ago who told me when I mentioned this in a shir, uh, that he heard an Israeli broadcast years ago when Iran was first talking about developing their nuclear weapon with an intercontinental ballistic missile capable of carrying a nuclear warhead. And the Israeli broadcaster said, it takes 12 minutes for a missile to go from Iran to Israel, 12 minutes from a missile to go from Israel to Iran. 
12 minutes. Last tour is going to be 12 minutes, but don't worry. Anyone who's in Erlachiyan is going to be saved, the Vilna God said. So at the same time that he said, and the last war is going to last 12 minutes, he also said that anyone who's in Erlachiyan is going to be saved. Either 5,000 Jews in Iran today, how are they going to be saved? Leave it up to God. They can have their own little mystical bubbles and shields. Anyone who's in Erlachiyan, wherever you are in the world, it's a person, I can't be in Israel now, I'll be in Israel. And the end of the day, wherever you are, if you are in Erlachiyan, you're going to be saved. What's in Erlachiyan? The Vilna Gaon said, anyone who is mavdil as atzmo minagoy. Who was saved by the first golos? A golos we tried. We were obdei of Zorah. We were amemta shari tumah. What was the key ingredient to be saved? Adoshinu was shemamas l'shonamas mavosheim. A Vilna Gaon said, the way you could be saved is Hashem, I'm so proud to be a Jew. I want to talk like a Jew. I want to look like a Jew. I want to act like a Jew. Even if we have a virus and we still might have a few little stains of Lashon Hara, and we might not have the best davening with Kavah, but what? Hashem, I love being a Jew. I'm proud to be a Jew. I'm proud to look like a Jew, talk like a Jew, and act like a Jew. If I'm still proud, I'm not trying to assimilate and acculturate. And that's why it's an incredibly sad state. How many Jews do we have today? Somewhere between 14 and 15 million, the Vilna Gon said. The same way who was rescued the first time around? The Chamushim, one-fifth, those who were proud. So unfortunately, the Jews who assimilated, acculturated, part of the idea is what? We're not all necessarily the biggest Sadiqim and Hasidim. But if we're proud to be Jewish and we carry and wear our Judaism and we're proud to be Yid and Erlich Yid and Mabdos Atzman Agayim, I want to be different. I'm happy to be different. I'm proud to be connected with Eretz Yisrael, Achidim and Eretz Yisrael, and wherever you are in the world, you could be saved. That's Akadosh Baruch Hu. It's not the Givura, the physical prowess. It's all Hashem. What is he going to do? Chan is talking about the future. And she continues in the next Pasuk Hashem. Of course, what catches our eyes, uh, she invokes Midas Arachamim. Yechotu Merima, Meriva. Hashem should do what? Yechotu. Well, we had that word before. Turning back quickly to Pasuk Dalit. Kesheski Borim Chatim. Now we understand. You see the mighty, physically brute strength of the warriors, and they got the bow and arrow. Chatim Hashem will break and destroy their bows and arrows. They're the means of. Their weaponry, what's in their arsenal? Hashem Hashem will break and destroy Amarivov, those who contend against him, those who contend either against Akadosh Baruch Hu, or now the Rabbag, and Mitzvah's David say she's turning her focus now to Shmuel, to her son. And now writes the Mitzvah's David, after she finished to be Masada Shivchei Amakum, Chazul Espalal Ashmuel Benot. And she says, Hashem, Ida Sarachamim. I know Midas Adin is going to destroy the enemies. Have enemies. Have Rachamim and my son Shmuel. And have his enemies all broken. Yet again, just like in the preceding Pasuk, we had Ksivan Akri. We have Ksivan Akri. What is it? Right through Adak. Yavaldik. What's Marivav? Marive Hatzadikim. Hey Marivav. Amrivav. It's all what? How one battling against Hakadosh Baruch Hu. You battle against the Jewish people. You're going to war against God. You fight against one Jew. Then you're going to war against God. That's the part. Hashem, Yechotim, Merivah. Hashem, you should break them and destroy them. Why? Because Merivah, HaTzadikim, Hey, Merivah. You fight against the Jews. You fight against the Tzadikim. You go against Eretz They don't realize if you're fighting Eretz they're fighting against God. And that's exactly what they're doing when they're fighting against the Jews. Who are they fighting against? They're fighting against God. Amalek says, uh, the Ramban says, in the Perkids, I, in the end of Shalach regarding Amalek, why is Amalek treated so harshly? Because they didn't just fight against the Jews. The Jews were their cousins, their blood relatives, and they were fighting against God. They knew that they would lose the war, but they wanted to jump into the hot bathtub and cool the waters, said, oh, Others can fight against God's chosen people. And they said, there's no such thing as chosen people, no such thing, we don't want God. And the world, Hashem should destroy and totally break all His enemies, God's enemies, Shmuel has enemies, but again, they're all the same. You fight against any single Jew, you're fighting against the Almighty above. And now she continues, Hashem Yechotim Rivov, Allah B'Shemayim Yareim, and then let the heavens, Yareim, Reim, thunder. Let the heavens come thundering upon them. Show them all your might. We talk about nuclear weapons. Isaac Asimov writes in his book of facts, believe it or not, there's more power in the eye of one hurricane, more potential capability for destruction, and one hurricane that God fashions. 
There's more destructive power than all the atom bombs, nuclear bombs, hydrogen bombs, and all nuclear warfare than all of mankind has produced since already the 1930s, 1940s, the Manhattan Project until today. Uh, more than take Russia, take United States, Israel, North Korea. You take all the nuclear weapons. That doesn't equal the power of the destructive capability contained and the eye of one hurricane, uh, one 10-mile radius hurricane of the Abishter above. Hashem doesn't need nuclear weapons. All Hashem has to do is snap his fingers and the heavens come thundering down. You don't have to worry about the 12 minutes. Hashem could take all these nuclear toys, little Legos, and just move them the same way. If anyone doesn't see, yes, we underwent a massive tragedy. And no one could ever explain the 1400. No one could explain the hostages. But we can't lose sight. They have, since October 7th, have shot over 7,500 missiles. 7,500. Each missile can Khalida kill when it misfired and it landed by the hospital, the parking lot, 10 to 50. Cast 7,500 rockets and one or two, even one is, is more than we can handle. Barely any, it doesn't. And the Arabs admit it. We're seeing the Jewish God and he's turning and the missiles in different directions. It doesn't make sense. Yes, Iron Dome, Patriot missiles. It's all Hashem controlling where they're going to go and what the message is going to be. All Hashem has to do is send the thunders. How did he destroy Nebuchadnezzar and his army? Just Mahuma made them crazy. A loud noise. Hashem in a cinch can go ahead and send the thunderous heavens down upon them. Hashem Yadin Avseyar. It's Hashem Yadin. It should be Elokim. And no, the reason Khan invokes Hashem Yitzharachim is, even when Hashem is passing judgment on the nations of the world, the enemies of the Jewish people, simultaneously he will display unbelievable and clearly recognizable Yitzharachim Klape, his beloved B'nai Yisrael. Hashem, show me your Rachamim. Show Shmuel the Rachamim. Yadinav Seyaretz. I want you to judge uh, to the ends of the earth. All the enemies, wherever they are, whether it's in Cooper Union, whether it's on Cornell, uh, George Washington University, Columbia, Harvard, Hashem, wherever they are in the world, I want you to go ahead and judge them and destroy them. And how are they going to get it as Mashiach gets set to come? V'yitain owes the Malko, and then he will give power to his king. And he will raise the pride of his Mashiach. Who's his Mashiach? His anointed ones. All right, the Tesis Rid. Shalva David, because they were the ones who started the kingship, the sovereignty of Kaisal. And it's my son Shmuel who anointed Shal, and my son Shmuel who will anoint David and Melech. Hashem, give my son Shmuel strength. He will give strength to the Melech HaOlam, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He will raise the pride of Meshicho, of the Anointed Ones, of Shaul. All the Mepharshim say it's a reverence specifically to David, and of David and his descendants as the Mashiach, and David as the Mashiach of Hashem, not just the Anointed Ones who began, who commenced this sense of kingship, majesty, and Klai Yisrael, with the first kings, Shaul and David, but it's a reverence to La'asu Lavo, as she's talking about the future, and that's why the Tanyan makes it very, very clear, and she's not just talking about Shmuel, she's talking about what? From her time until the end of days. And Mamish and Yanni Dioma. And Yanni Dioma, the Tanyan says, and we're talking about what? Yabi Pranis Min Magog, Gog and Magog. I want you, Hashem, to protect everyone. They're going to come from all the ends of the world. Hashem, make strong and make... I remember the Malchus of the Mashiach ben David. She is davening for all the Doris Haboyim, for all the future generations. That's Chana. And now it makes a lot of sense. We spoke a little while ago about Gilgal. Who do you think Chana was a Gilgal of? Writes the Arizon Shar Gagulim Hagdam Alam and Vov. Writes the Arizon Sefer Gagulim and Perak Mem Vov. Chana sounds a lot like what other name? Chava. Writes the Arizon. Chana was Chava. Why is she thinking about all the future generations? Writes the Ariya Kaddish. Because she was a Gilgal of Chava. Interesting that Chava and Chana, the names are very, very similar. The difference is the Vav versus the Nun. And Nun is 50, the Vav is 6. The difference between 50 and 6 is 44. The Gemachi of Adam, Imakolol is what? Adam is 44, 45. Chava and Adam, that gets you to Chana. Chana is the Aim Kochai. Why is she davening not only for Shmuel? She's not just davening for her son. She's Chava all over again. What was the mistake of Chava? Chava's Aim Kochai. You got to be the mother of the Kain and Hevel. And she failed in mothering Kain and Hevel. Comes Chana, the Gilgal, the Tikkun of 
Chava. Not only does she raise Shmuel to be a tzaddik, remember? There was a Bosco that came out and said Shmuel's going to be here and he's going to be a tzaddik. Every woman who gave birth to a son said, oh, my son's going to be Shmuel. There were so many Shmuels running all, all over the place. They all thought that their son would be Shmuel. Only when they saw the young Shmuel growing up, they said, this is a Shmuel. And what was the unique Hanukkah say? I waited all these years to have my son. I'm going to be a protective mother. I'm going to keep Shmuel at home. I'm not going to send him to Israel when there's a war going on. I'm going to keep him at home. I'm going to watch him. 24-7. And what are we about to read? What does Chana do with the long-awaited son? And you know what she is? She's Chav all over again. What's Eim Kochai? Not only do I love and take care of my own son Shmuel, Shmuel's going to take care of the world. I'm going to give him up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I'm going to daven all the while. For who? For all the generations. Just like I am Chav all over again as Eim Kochai. I'm not just davening for my son Shmuel. We are in Kem Mashiach. I want Mashiach to come. And I am davening for all the future Generations in Klai Yisrael, because in a sense, Hannah was their mother as well. So it was Shmuel, a Gilgul of Shem, same name, Shem and Shmuel. Interesting. That the Arizal doesn't say, but we do know Elizabeth and was a Gilgul of Shmuel. They both. He was eighteen fifteen. We don't find that he's a Gilgul Shem, but. Yes, I was also different. He us of Chava, Ramami Pano. That's Ramami Pano's opinion in Gilgul and Shamas. That's why I was quoting now the Arizal Hagdam Lamed Vav and Perak Membav. If a Gilgulim, he says she was Bikra. He also connects her to Rochov, who was married to Yoshua. But the main Gilgul writes the Arizal was of Chava. That's why she lives her life as Aim Kochai, as she lives her life as. The Chana who is davening for Klai Yisrael. So now that she praised HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and now that she davened for her son Shmuel, the son that she so longed and yearned for, how, what is she going to do? Her Tfilis, her answer, they give birth to a child, she comes to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu, goes back up to Shiloh, back up to the Mishkan as we close this year today, with two final psukim we read, Vayelech HaKana, Haramasa Al Beso. Alkana goes what? Goes back to Haramasa. That's how we began the whole story. We know they came from Ramah. Shmuel Haramasi. And he goes Al Beso. The Radak says, What's Al Beso? It should be El Beso. Uh, why do we write Al Beso? I think this is all included in the Kavona Saradak. He takes us back to Perk Aleph and Shmuel Aleph. And Posigud, what do we read? Vatispalo Al Hashem. She didn't just dive into Hashem, she dive in the Fne Hashem. Alkana goes Al Beso. He goes El Beso. Uh, and now what? Well, he goes Al Beso, Hanar stays back, and he is Al Beso of a Kodesh Brochu. Uh, the contrast, Akona goes back home. He is one and one with his house, but Hanar, the young Nar, meaning what? He wasn't a little baby, he's a young Nar, even though he's only two years old, he was too young to do the Avodo. Hanar Hayim Shari says Hashem. Uh, what do you mean he was Mashari Sashem? He was too young. And he was Mashari Sashem as Panei, Elia Kohen. He was there to serve Elia Kohen in the Mishkan Hashem. Uh, writes Rashi based on the Yushami and Erevin. Mikan, the Meshamish Pene Taminichachomim, Kemeshamish Pene Hashkina. He stayed back to do what? Well, Akona goes back, Albeso, Hanar goes back to what? Albeso, Shol Kodesh Brochu, stays in the base of Mikdash and the Mishkan and Shiloh. The Nar Shmuel was Meshares as Hashem. How did he serve Hashem? By serving Pene Elia Kohen. What's Pene Elia Kohen? Writes the Radak. Pene is Lefne. What does that mean, Lefne? Kalomers have to say that Eli was Molamdo Avodah Hashem. He taught him how to go in and do it, how to do the Avodah. And that was Ilya Kohen, and that's what helped to make Shmuel great. He learned from the Kohen Agodol. He was Mesharis Eli, and through being Mesharis Eli, in a sense, he was Mesharis HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he was what? He was the one to serve Eli. Why? Because what happened to the sons, to the continuity of the Kohen of Eli? Next Pasek, Ben Eli, Ben Belial. Because the sons of Eli, Chofni, and Pinchas were Ben Belial, Belial. I'm sorry, we're so ready, the Radak. As well, Beliol, lawless, without any responsibility, no Achrayis, no Omach Shemayim. They were called Bnei Beliol. What do you mean, Bnei Beliol? Or Bnei Eli Beliol? They were Beliol. What's Bnei Beliol? How does that make sense? Writes Avi Medrash Agoda on Bereshis. Eli was a Tzadik Gomer. Why is he called a Beliol? 
Chovni and Pinchas read the Pesach literally, and it conveys the sons of Eli were B'nai, were the sons of Eliyahu. Uh, writes the Medrash Rabbah and Barashas Parashram Aleph. Even though he was at Sadiq Gomer, it's Kilo Omar Bonim Shobliyah. Why? Because Kol Yisrael Hayusonim Oso Abonav. Because the Mossad, Eli must have done something wrong. If he produced out of both sons, Chafni and Pinchas, and they were both lawless, where did they learn to be lawless like this? It must be they got something from Eli. Uh, so this is to Eli's discredit. And he didn't, was a mochi of them. That's right. So he's held accountable on some level, even though he's a tzadik gomer. Uh, he is also called Belial. But again, we understand the possibility of they've been able to, they were sons of Belial. They lived the lives of if there was a hefker velt, no law, and no justice, no achrayis, no responsibility. Uh, what does it really mean that they were Belial? Shmuel goes on to say it means, they did not know God. They did not want to know God. They did not appreciate God. Uh, but more importantly, as the Matsudas David points out, since they didn't know God, and therefore they lived the lives of Rishis, or as the Tanyana Simonazil says, Ubanaili Gavin Rashui Rashiyan, they were Rishoyim. Why Lohaviyodin Lemitchal Khanam Hashem? They didn't have Yerushamayim, even though they're living their lives. And the place that imbues and ingrains Yerushamayim, it's everybody in the Mishkan. You think they get Yerushamayim? And they did not follow in the way of their father. They did not want to spend the time serving their father. Even though they were in the Mokam of Hashem. So what do you have? Shmuel was the Nar that took over. He's the one on fire. Nar, he's shaking. He's passionate. He is fiery. He's got verb and dynamism. And he says, I'm taking over where Eli's sons fail. He's Mesharis. Alien through being Mesharis. Pene Eli, Lefne Eli, HaKohen, HaKohen, HaGodol. It's as if he was Mesharis Hashem. Here you have Chana praising Hashem. Here you have Chana saying, Hashem, protect my son. He's going to anoint Shmuel, Shol HaMelech. He's going to anoint David HaMelech. Uh, go ahead and destroy the plishtim, destroy all those who come to fight against him. And you think that I take him home with me? No. My husband went home, Haramas al Beso. Uh, but I'm staying what? I'm staying just making sure. And it doesn't say, uh, She clearly is sticking around to make sure that the Naar is doing his job. And that's why there is ensuing conversation between Chana. Notice, Chana did not go home. goes home. Chana says, I got a waiter to make sure that my Shmuel is doing his job. And you bet he was. The Naar that she had was Meshari Ses Hashem, Espenei That's Chana, her dreams fulfilled. And her promise now fulfilled. Her nether actualized as she gives over that precious son that she so daven and longed for, gives him over to Eli, in essence, giving him over to Hashem. It's exactly what she wanted. And Emet Shem in two weeks will continue. Pastor Gidgim will have an amazing day and a great rest of the week as we get ready for Mashiach Tzitkenu to be Meirim Karen Mashiach Obikara from Hashem.